this episode, I speak with MBA and spiritual consultant Kim Woods. Key points addressed were Kim's advent into the world of spiritual advising and writing her three books that define, describe, and map out how the multitude of techniques and theories in the woo and spiritual healing realm work. We also discussed how Kim herself approaches new clients and the plethora of techniques, methodologies, and doctrines she employs in her consultancy with each client. Stay tuned for my fascinating talk with Kim Woods. Hi, my name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciacathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm your host, Patricia, and today I'm excited to be sitting down with Kim Woods. Kim is an MBA and spiritual consultant. You can find out more about everything we talk about, as well as all of Kim's work, on two of her websites, www.kecfreedom.com, and that will be transitioning into, you can also find www.kimwoods.com. Welcome, Kim. Well, thank you so much for having me, Patricia. I'm so excited to be here today. Absolutely. I'm excited to unpack everything that you're doing as well. We've had a lot of audience members. We're talking off the record and we've had a lot of audience members write in asking um, why we are not speaking with more spiritual consultants and um, people who work with the spiritual areas of advisement. And so I'm really excited to unpack your work. You've got three books I can't wait to get into. But before we get to that, everyone who's listening, a quick roadmap for today's podcast. It will follow the same trajectory as all of those in this series. Namely, we will start by unpacking Kim's academic background and early professional life as it pertains to where she is right now. Then we'll look at unpacking her consultancy work in, as well as all of the books that he, she has written, um, getting some key terms defined so that we all are on the same platform as um, comprehension. And then we'll look at goals that Kim has for herself and her work and maybe some of her clients for the next one to three years. We'll wrap everything up with advice that Kim has for those of you who are looking to get involved to perhaps emulate some of her success and her line of work. Um, before I start peppering her with questions, a quick bio on Kim. Uh, Kim E. Woods is an MBA and spiritual consultant to high-performing entrepreneurs and global leaders, um, has founded multiple seven-figure brick-and-mortar businesses. Her life truly began once she recognized that while she had checked all the boxes, so to speak, she had still lacked a true feeling of satisfaction and power and contentment. When Kim finally embraced her own spiritual coming out, she was not only able to physically heal her son, but also to help herself and her thousands of clients around the world to find their true purpose and step into their power, creating alignment, profit, and a feeling of unparalleled satisfaction. So Kim, that's an amazing bio. It's a superhero bio. I love it. Um, my daughter was looking over it and was like, this is amazing. I want my bio to read like this one day. And I was like, I know it's so powerful. Um, and I think it speaks a lot to 
uh, the work you've done. And I want to climb through those. But before we get to that, I was hoping you could give us like a brief description of your academic background, professional life, even some of your personal life that plays into what brought you to where you are now. Oh, certainly. You know, it's a long story. I won't date myself, but it's a little bit longer than I'd like to admit. Um, so I, I did a very traditional route. I went to college. I got my undergrad degree from Clark University, and it's in economics and finance. Went into business. You know, that's the normal trajectory and loved business. Absolutely adored it. Worked in corporate for a handful of years. Realized I wanted to get my MBA. Got it from Babson College. Again, more business, just drinking up the business. Um, ended up at Oracle and did consulting for them and, and led a $10 million practice for them and had 30 people on my team and was at the pinnacle of my career, so to speak. And then got pregnant, had my first, fully intending to go back to work. Well, he had um, health and developmental issues. And so just as I'm going to go back to work, he's duct taped to a gurney at two months old and having radioactive isotopes running through his body. And you can imagine the sheer terror on a two months old face being duct taped to a gurney. And so I realized, need to stop the career trajectory, need to stay at home with my son. And during the process of healing him, entered the intuitive realm because Western medicine was beautiful and Western therapies were helpful, but they weren't helping enough. So I started pursuing alternative healing methods and Eastern philosophies and got very much into the quote unquote woo realm. Mm -hmm. And that began my journey into the intuitive world. And it was through that process that I realized I loved that part of life. And I loved it being a guiding force for me, but still held that back. My husband and I started a business consulting firm, um, grew it to a, a successful seven figure firm. Um, and yet I had this discontent. I had this, you know, dissatisfaction and realized what it was, was I wasn't listening to my own inner knowing, wasn't listening to my own spirituality, and I needed to embrace that and lead with it. And so I needed to come out of, quote unquote, the spiritual closet and become an intuitive, you know, consultant, a spiritual leader. And I've said yes to that. And ever since I have, Patricia, it has been the most wonderfully aligned, synchronicitous, magical path. Yeah. It's, I mean, it sounds like it from, from the prolific body of work that you've put out. Can you speak to kind of, did you do any training or certification? How did you, um, it sounds like you were endeavoring for a series of years, you know, towards the knowledge base and things like that. But did you go through any formal or structural training? Did you study under anyone? Did you have mentors along the way? I did. I started the way to people typically do, just, you know, taking all these workshops and, you know, pursuing other bodies of work. I, I have a master's in Reiki, for example, and that's relatively mainstream now. I did not study acupuncture, if you will, but I did study Chinese medicine, and that was less formal, um, but that was very much a part of, of healing my son. And then from a more certification perspective, did study astrology, with Stephen Forrest and have my quote unquote masters in astrology, studied human design, studied Akashic records with Linda Howe. So most certainly did dive into those larger systems to get answers about like Oracle knowing, because I, that for me, even though that was my leader, if you will, that I had that intuitive knowing, I didn't believe it for the longest period of time. So got vast amounts of knowledge to then believe in it. And now, you know, here I am years later, absolutely believing in that. And when I get a little hint preview for the later on in this broadcast, you know, I will be talking about advice on that. <laughs> 
Fantastic. I'm curious, and, and forgive me if this sounds naive, because I know when the word intuitive is used, it means like, you know, there's this kind of self-implicit knowing. And so I, I garner that a lot of your um, the, your career in this genre has been self-driven and self-guided, but was there a way that you curated outside of that self-driven knowledge, which techniques you would endeavor to learn and then use to employ in your practice? Certainly. And this was really the, the underpinnings for me writing the All About Magic book. I know we, you know, we want to unpack those books as well. I did that because when, you're, when you step into this you know, Western philosophy, this intuitive world, it's vast. And, and there, isn't, there isn't like a quote unquote professionalized system or process or even corridors to go down. And what I found was that all the information I was gaining was wonderful and very helpful, but I didn't really have a placeholder for it. So the purpose of that book was to put things in their rightful place, i.e., was it for oracle knowing and divination? Was it for energetic or vibrational healing? Was it for that inner guide? Was it really dancing with the cycles and seasons? And that's the way that book is formatted because there are certain things that fall under each category and knowing which categories you're pursuing is really helpful to help, you know, to figure out. So you're asking me that question, what is in my work? So the divination of the, the inner knowing, honestly, I'm going to go way woo here. I channel the voice of your soul. I literally step into the stars the minute you were born. However, for the tools of communication, I talk about astrology. I'll talk about the energetic mapping with human design. I'll talk about your Akashic records and your generational lines and your soul DNA. Because as I tell my clients, it doesn't matter that I know it matters that you know. So if I'm sitting here going hum vidi dum 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 and I'm saying all these beautiful words and you're not leaning in and embracing it, that's just a marginally interesting exercise. Mm. It's much more beneficial when you're leaning in and you're saying yes. You know, when you're having that moment of clarity, that's where we first begin is that moment of clarity of you shedding all the expectations of others and stepping purely in the knowing of you. Yeah. That's where it begins. And that, that, I mean, and it sounds like true transformation, you know, everyone from diet to um, career clarification and things like that talk about, you know, coming into that awareness of oneself. Um, I'm wondering about what, I want to put just a few logistical boring aspects to your consultancy work for everyone listening. So when did you officially kind of launch your, your website and your consultancy where you started taking clients on and really implementing um, techniques and work with them? It was late 2015, 2016. I will tell you the, the quote unquote coming out was a long process. Um, I had done this work very much behind the scenes in my business consulting practice. You know, my, my clients would say, Kim, keep the woo at the door. But then yet when I'd walk in and I was doing large corporate work, um, I'd walk in, everybody would say, oh, I feel so much better. You know, our psychologist, or our therapist is here. You know, when she walks into the room, everything goes much more smoothly. Well, clearly I was doing a lot of things where I was working with the energy behind the scenes. I was helping, you know, land some things for them, um, but I wasn't talking about it. And it became very, it became imperative for me to talk about it and lead with it. And it was around that about five years ago that I said, I just can't, I just can't stop myself. How did you find your first client? Was it just, there were so many already baked in or did you advertise in a way or did the universe bring them to you? How did that work? 
Well, I started out still hiding, right? So the coming out has been a process. So I went to friends and family, you know, of course, that's where we all first start, right? And then as I started gaining more confidence in the speaking, it wasn't the confidence in the work, I already had that. It was the speaking about the work. Um, I will tell you now, it's mostly collaborative groups. It's, it's networking. It's, you know, I'm working with, you know, I'm on this podcast, you know, working to broaden my base and my, and my field of voices that can hear me, you know, ears that can hear me, voices that can, can um, respond. Um, and with that, I have to say it has been very organic. But I will tell you, since I have been stepping into this, it's probably been about two years that I said that absolute sound from the rooftops, yes, clients do come to me in droves. There, there's been this yearning for this type of work to have this knowing and to have the allowance of the permission of the intuitive space to be part of leadership and business. Do you focus on clients um, through the kind of the lens of leadership and business or do people come to you for all specific reasons? It's, you know, my background is in business and I do have a lot of leadership experience. So I feel as if the universe works with what, you know, what you are and what your signature is, that's who you will attract. But I will be honest, I do have a lot of people that are just stepping into this path and are wondering about what to do with it. You know, so they're fascinated with it. That would be, that'd be one group of people that I have. They're just utterly fascinating. They're just lean in and will just say yes, because they, they want to know more. And, and it's beautiful because it's about themselves, right? Then I have another group of people and this is my larger body um, of client base is they're, they're frustrated, they're, they're discontent, they're unsatisfied, they're not quite sure why. Maybe they've reached the pinnacle, quote unquote, of their career or their business, or they're out of alignment, the balance between home life and, and business life, or they are finding that there's more competitiveness out in the marketplace and they want to stand in their power more, and so they want to be fully aligned with their purpose. So I, the frustrated category is the, the larger body of work for me. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like that would be the case with, with a lot of practitioners. Mm -hmm. Frequently don't go to the doctor until they're ill. Exactly. <laughs> I, um, I kind of want to turn towards your books now. Uh, and I told you that I knew of the synopsis of each, but I had not had the pleasure of reading each. And I will go back and do that. I can guarantee you. I want to talk about, um, so the order I have them in may not be the order that they were published in, so you feel free to correct me. We've got, the first one is all about calm, the second one all about magic, and the third all about abundance. Was that the order that they were written in, or is that not? Yes, that is the order that they were written in. Okay, so let's look at, you, you mentioned all about magic a minute ago, but let's start with all about calm. Um, when you were writing it, I think one of the first things I love to ask an author is, did you have your audience in mind? And if so, um, who were you writing it for? Well, this is, this is a really interesting story. When you step into your intuitive knowing, things just download from the sky for you. That was based on a one-hour speaking engagement I did at a school. And what, what I was doing at the time, because my son had so many developmental issues, I had a lot of parents coming up to me asking me for advice, you know, all the time. And I would freely give it. I mean, this is something that I am passionate about, um, even though I don't have a business surrounding it. And so what I found was that when, when you know, parents and children, when there is something wrong developmentally, and I, I say wrong, it's just skewed, there is a tremendous amount of anxiety. And so I kept running into anxiety and running into anxiety. So I started doing some speaking engagements on it. And what I found was that people were really 
like really yearning this. This was something so needed. And then I started looking at some statistics and I thought, oh, good Lord, this is desperately needed. Yeah. And, and what I ended up doing was I ended up formulating 10 tips. So if it's a book about calm, we want it to be easy to digest. You know, we don't want it to be something that is, that is difficult to, to process. And so there are 10 tips and they are in three categories because what I find is that there are those, that's that moment where you might need calm if you're in a, like a marginally stressed in, in situation. It's just like, you know, it's just a, an immediate kind of thing and you're reacting versus responding. So I have a category of tips for that. And then I have that, you need a little bit more than that. That's not going to be enough. You know, taking a breath is just not going to be enough. And there's a pause moment that you might need. It might take a few beats for you to get there. So there's a handful of tips around, around that um, level. And then the next level is no, you need an absolute reset. You know, you need a change of scenery, you need to kind of walk away from the situation, you need a little bit more space. And so that whole book was for parents, for children, there's a teen section and there's a kid section for that. That was primarily because I birthed it, quote unquote, in a school environment, it is primarily for parents and children. Nice. That's amazing. And I, the, the impetus for it and, you know, and um, having children with specific needs and, and different needs and extra needs and the anxiety in that arena, I think has really um, exploded, you know, over the past decade and the need for, um, I, I, I don't mind issues, but when there aren't action items, I begin to hyperventilate marinating on issues over and over. And so, um, you know, with the the advent and the increase in autism and then the redefining of the autism spectrum and things of that nature, that in and of itself did not disturb me, but the lack of public institutions that were willing to implement standardized ways of techniques and helping those individuals was just like alarming and, and hyperventilating for me. And I think that that's where parents get, you know, it's not the initial, every child is different moment. It's what is the, what's the solution or what's the action item? How are we moving forward with this? Right. And it sounds like this book kind of gives these steps of being able to um, kind of implement at least techniques to come into a peacefulness with it. Absolutely. To just, to just connect both with yourself and with the children. And yes, that was, that was exactly the purpose of this book was because you need to take a beat, you know, because there, 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 there's, there's questions in your mind and you're, you're right. It's either helpful or unhelpful. And it really is the, either the luck of the draw or your fortitude and persistence. Yeah. You know, whether the school is going to meet you or not, or, you know, whether you're going to find that right advocate or that right therapist and, and plus you're still growing a family and you're still a person too. And so that just the layering of that is just almost too much. Oh yeah. I don't think anyone said I've got time to have a child plus this whole nother line of work I need to study, get ready for, prep my entire family, integrate into my life. <laughs> it is Absolutely. a daunting task. Um, so moving on to all about magic, um, you talked about kind of place, putting into place and perspective techniques and things like that. Can you kind of further elaborate on that? Yeah, you know, again, you step onto this path and it is, you know, you, you go into the quote unquote magical world. And what is that? That could be yoga, that could be meditation, that could be mantra, that could be mindset, right? Those are the, those are the more mainstream, it could be acupuncture, you know, but, but the, really there are, there are a few components to that. The first and foremost is that you're gaining awareness. So there is that, you know, what you can call it oracle awareness at the very like top layer of it, if you will. But at the very beginning, you're just, you're just becoming aware that there's this unknown and intuitive and space that you don't really, you know, it's mysterious, right? 
well, it's mysterious. Great. It's mysterious. What do you do with that? Right. There are now there, yay, there are a million books and so many workshops, but still you're, 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 you're taking this big gulp in this world that you may never have actually stepped into before. So the first part is the divination of that. It's going to give you, those types of systems are going to give you information about you. You know, so we could even put like human design in there, even though that's not in the book. Astrology is not, not in the book because they're, they're too deep. I wanted to start at a, another level, like numerology and pendulums. They can give you information. You know, you can ask questions and you can get answers. The next one is vibrational healing. That's where crystals live and where any energetic work you do, like if you even massage therapy or even yogic breathing, that's in that world because you're actually going into your body and you're gaining a sense of calm and of peace and of just awareness too on that level. But then there's a rhythm to the earth and there's, that's what elements come in and directions and the moon and the stars and the seasons. That, so that was the next category I used. But honestly, the deepest thing, Patricia, is the fact that it's you. So what is in you? Like you have your inner knowing, you have your inner guide. And people do talk about guides. That's where power animals will come in or um, angels and ascended masters will come in. So I wanted to, again, put that placeholder of when you're beginning your magical journey, this book can is a little bit like an encyclopedia but it's more about the categories of, of things for you to delve into, and then you'll know where to put them. I think that's so crucial. You know, um, I, I am definitely a novice in a lot of these industries, though I have practiced yoga um, kind of fanatically, unfortunately, for years. <laughs> I, I had this big mantra as a, an individual about not being very good at yoga and being too competitive and, and all of these little funny things that gave me a wonderful excuse platform to never do it. And I did Pilates, you know, not yoga, that, that type of thing. But, um, and then switched over. And of course, that was my gateway drug into, you know, the entire universe. And, um, and, uh, and I realized there was a lot of similarities between things I was uniquely attuned towards. But the more I read, the more I realized I had nowhere to define, start or begin, you know, and it's steeped in ancient, ancient history. It puts the Bible to shame, you know. Absolutely oldest text that we think about in this, um, the United States of America, at least, and a lot of our doctrine that we were raised on as children and educational platforms. And, and, the, and so the history was, was foreign and, and rich and deep. And then the techniques were all very confusing as to one, where one met the other. And there's different influences, you know, there's feng shui and reiki and all of these different things that seem to have similar conversations, even if they're different um, techniques or from different countries. And so an encyclopedia is just so mandatory for someone like me. I think it's just such a genius thing. And I wish, um, I hope that it's continued on in the future. Like I hope that, you know, this book could not be big enough to handle everything that needs to be out there. There's actually another one that's being birthed that it's all about magic mastery. And it's because I had to divide it into two because that first book is, I think, 450 pages. I have 500 pages of the next book that I'm calling through right now. Exactly. And I don't know how much I've actually covered of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing amount of work. All right. So let's get into abundance. Um, what is all about abundance about? Well, about, okay. So abundance, I'll, I'll tell you the bottom line of the book is that the abundance is really inside of you. 
but I will entertain, you know, talking about the money piece of that and the prosperity flow of that. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up weaving the, some of the tools that were learned in the magical book and series to how to use them in your life. So what abundance does is we follow the elements. We follow that first like air of awareness. That's where everything starts. You know, your mind, that's where mindset work is so important, right? So like your mind says yes to something. Well, let's, we, we, we dive into that. And I, and I, I guess I like fours because this is like the same as the magic book. It's like four pieces in each of the four categories. Um, so we do four things, quote unquote, that are mental things. And that's where we start. But then we go down into the heart and we go into that creativity and we go into that inspiration. And we, you know, when you're defining things that you're creating, first it's an idea and then you get emotional about it. But then you have to get through what I call water, which is down more in the belly area, where you have to overcome fear and doubt and angst and maybe being paralyzed or stuck. And that's really where the rubber hits the road, mm -hmm. if you so to speak, where you have to kind of, you know, push away the voices of other and really go into your knowing and say yes, a very deep yes to it. And then you can birth it. And that's in the earthly realm where then that vision or that idea gets birthed and you are actually then doing it out in the world. And that abundance series takes like a, what I said is magical tools and weaves them in, but there are exercises in there, you know, uh, like you, I, it's interesting to read about something, but until you can apply it, you know, how much, what, how useful is that? So that book, you know, it's, it's a cross between a workbook and a book. Wonderful. That sounds magnificent. Um, I want to get into your process when you do um, client intake. Is there, so um, because I don't have any backing on this, my mind goes to the Western process or even the Eastern ones that I've been familiar with, like the intake process. There's a form, there's an interview of some sort, there's a, a roadmap kind of documented out or a suggestion of um, things to employ and a, a certain length of service. How does it work for someone like you? Okay, so this, we're going to get way, way, way into the woo on this. So literally, I just need your time, date, and place of birth. So, and of course we have a discovery call to, you know, to talk about what your priorities are because I'm here to serve you. And so every time I work with a client, the, the magical number is six months. And so what ends up happening is I will get your information. And of course I use the tools, like I mentioned before, whether it's the astrology or the human design or the Akashic records, um, if you're comfortable with any one of those, we can use that as a lexicon between us because I want you to lean in and say yes faster than me being over here saying hum diddy dum But that first session, literally, I open up all the energy of you. I go into your soul and I, I look at your soul yearning. I look at your true purpose. I look at all your strengths and gifts. And I look at the issues that you've traveled with that you want to overcome. And what ends up happening is I almost channel write. So that's a process where you're so intuitive, you're writing, but you're not really really cognizant of writing. And I write down all the things that download and what end up downloading are all that information I just talked about, but also to like your generational lineage and your soul DNA stories come through, but then healing codes come through like the healing methods that whatever, you know, wherever your stock or obstacles or patterns that you've created in your life. I just, I just literally have a front and back, back piece of pay, like paper that ends up being becoming a six month roadmap. But I'm also wildly practical. So I have discovery methods. If you're in business, there might be some business things. But if not, then there'll be things around family or things around maybe money or communication style or maybe your children. Um, and then we just, this literally, it's a piece of paper. It's like this ragtag little piece of paper, you know, and I have all these beautiful things written down on it. And then we get to work. That first session is me downloading for you. And then the subsequent sessions 
are me doing, you know, touching base, looking at where you are, but then we're going in more depth with all those things that we've uncovered. And I actually, yes, I start channeling and I've got light language and other language coming through and I do the healing and yes. See how far out of the spiritual closet I am now, Patricia? I, this is good. I haven't been scared by any of it. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I don't think I scare easily, but no, I love it. I don't mind it at all. And I've loved the um, the terminology being so familiar with downloading, channeling, you know, all of those things are being used uh, wildly in um, corporate, even to describe, you know, Google has meditation rooms. So right. like we've gotten so, we're, we're, we're so in awe of, you know, of this idea and this need to connect. Um, and the the divisiveness between the soul, the personality, the the occupation was always what was destroying us as a culture, and you know Absolutely. prohibiting creativity and things that really birthed um, beautiful human expansion. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering. Um, so in the. Uh, in the program, like six months tends to be a magical number for most people to get to where they need to be and, and kind of hit their um, their genesis. Do you, is it weekly? Do you, and also do you meet with people online now that the pandemic has hit? How does that work? Yeah, so it's, it's been online. We meet in Zoom. Um, and I found that the work didn't become diluted in any way at all doing that, you know, and that's something that I, that I did test, you know, quote unquote, test a little bit. Um, and it wasn't so, so beautiful. So we can meet in the zoom room safely, you know, so that's, that's gorgeous. Each session is recorded. It, it really depends. The frequency depends on the appetite. I will not meet with somebody more than twice a month because there is an integration process. There's the embodiment piece that we want to be honoring. Most people, if, if people don't have a business, then the once a month rhythm works really well and we focus on them personally. Or if they have a business, then they don't want me to really do a lot of work in that. Other people though are formulating, they're pivoting. They're maybe opening up to something new. They're maybe like taking a little bit of a left turn. And so there is a lot of business work that needs to be done. And you know, business is impatient. So with that, it will be twice a month. And one of those sessions is focused primarily on the business piece. And then one is focused primarily on the person. Amazing. Do you have um, aides or technicians that assist you or is it just a sole enterprise? Right now, so perfectly timed question because I just reached out to three people that I know that I'm going to be growing. And it's not growing in their own gifts. It's more growing in the way that I work and not that we want to replicate that because, you know, there's something beautifully unique about each person. But I've looked at how I can bring one of these people in with my one-on-one -on -one work beautifully. And then I'm launching group program and there's two people that will be helping me support that. Nice. That's yeah. fascinating. Um, we've had uh, a lot of people reach in with questions and, um, I'm just going to do some rapid fire for you, if that would be all right for uh, just a few questions, if you'll entertain us audience questions that come in a lot. And I like to get a few of those voiced, um, to let everyone know, I hear you. Um, so the first one is how do you define spirituality, um, in its complexity and the integration of spirituality into, um, everyday life? That's an excellent question. And it's not a small question. Um, so I'm glad you started with that. No, so seriously. So we use the term spirituality. The reason why I like that word is that it removes religious construct from it. Religion is beautiful. That's a way to practice spirituality. I personally believe that, that you can access the divine, the universe, God, whatever terminology you're comfortable with, from your own self. 
but sometimes you need process to do that. You need community to do that. And so any way that you want to connect with yourself and connect with a higher level of knowing, I deem as spirituality. So there's a meditative process or there's a you know repetitive connection in silence or through nature or you can do it through yoga or creating or cooking or moving you know it's that you remove yourself from yourself mm-hmm. that's that to me is the the entry point or the doorway into spirituality and spirituality the way i define it is the unknown it's what you can't see it's what you can't feel or touch and it's really there's so much of it, right? Like there's so much of the unknown and the mysteries. I deem that to be spiritual. So how to incorporate it into everyday life is being in touch with you, being in touch with your inner wisdom, your inner guide, your moral compass, you know, the, the, the way that you know that you are in the flow of your life being in alignment. I'm using, trying to use as mainstream terminology as I possibly can use. It might look like going to yoga three times a week. It might look like running or walking the dog or laughing with children or losing yourself in gardening. It can look like all those things, but there's certainly moments of silence in your days. That's crucial and non-negotiable. Absolutely. And moments of silence. Well, you know, um, we've returned to a major one and I think it's moved the entire world, you know, talk about people being forced into a meditative kind of stillness. It's been a really interesting, there is not one person, not one podcast host, not one friend or colleague or loved one that I've spoken to that hasn't had a very blunt conversation with being by oneself with silence as the only companion, you know, and how that daunting that was for them. Um, and particularly my comrades in New York City and places where there was no traffic and how they couldn't sleep. They felt like they couldn't breathe. There was this whole reexamination of oneself and and one's environment and um, painful but beautiful things, I think, came from it, um, which is good because the tragedy of a pandemic is is almost too daunting to grasp at times. Absolutely. Uh, I'm wondering with... With every okay, let me go back to my questions. I was and, and see, I was just going to tangent. I was just going to take it and run my selfish nature. <laughs> okay, so the next question we had is, oh, this is a good one. We had a lot of people write in and um, ask if you do, if you do work for specific periods of life. So um, there was people writing in about their um, teenagers getting ready to menstruate and puberty, and then conversely, women talking about working with menopause and certain um, physiological states and whether or not your work encompasses a conversation about that. It absolutely does. I mean, the cycles of life are so important, right? And we just, we, we stayed in the feminine on that in this example. So I'll stay there. You know, my big vision, we're getting to the next part of this, you know, uh, but my big vision is incorporating the feminine way naturally and beautifully in union with the masculine and leading our lives in with that 100% seamlessly. And that can be business, leadership, but your daily life as well. So I went on a little bit of a tangent too. So, so you know, thank you for allowing me to do that. But honestly, there are moments in our lives that are transition points. And honoring those, I don't think we do that well, especially here in America. You know, we kind of breeze right by and we, and we, and we motor right through them. So there is something unbelievably precious about a woman bursting into womanhood. And we don't talk about it at all. 
you know, there is a place for that. And then there's that next cycle of whether it's motherhood or, or choosing not to, you're still in that creative cycle. And then there's that, you know, going into the wise woman. These are very, very, um, I am going to just go as far as saying dishonored phases mm -hmm. in the world. And there are like elements of beauty in that. And so the bottom line is that, yes, I absolutely work with that. And, and, you know, it's so incredibly important to, because how do we define ourselves as people as we're going through these beautiful natural changes, if we don't allow the natural changes to be incorporated into our new way of seeing the world? Right. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so I want to turn to goals because mm -hmm. your work helps define and kind of unpack and, and alleviate blockages, it sounds like, to help people obtain their goals in this very like natural way that is true to their own circadian rhythm, if you will, you know, with the universe and who they are. So you personally, how do you set up your goals for yourself as well as for your business moving forward. It feels like it would be a tenuous line to walk. It, it you know, it, it is beautiful. Like I, it's hilarious because I'm still a strategist, you know, that's, that's my, my background, right? So I, I don't lose sight of that, but I work with the cycles of the seasons. And so when I talk to my marketing team, we legitimately mm -hmm. have conversations about that annual cycle. And I follow the, the calendar that, you know, everybody follows for January through December. But then when I get into it, I do follow the eight you know, those eight gorgeous cycles of seasons that we have, you know, we have those quarters, we have the equinox, we have the solstice, but we also have midpoints in between those. And so we talk about seasons. We talk about this is the season of, you know, success, or this is a season of abundance, or this is a season of intuition, and this is a season of power. Um, we have those conversations and they're beautiful. And if I look at them, I do absolutely follow the energies of the universe. 2020, here you are, you talked about COVID as part of that. 2020 is the birth canal. We are all being reborn. We are all being required to look at life through a new lens. Next year, 2021, we will be required to act in infancy because we're going to have that new lens. And then 2022, there's another energy coming in. So I work with those energies and I align my body of work or goals or, um, you know, everything, literally everything is constructed based on that. Yeah. It's easier in one hand and more difficult in another. Yeah, it does. It sounds like it would bring things, but it's explanative. You know, um, a lot of young entrepreneurs have these amazingly clear and concise goals. And I'll say, well, how are you planning on getting there? And how did you attach, you know, that awesome number of $2 million um, as, as a net worth, you know, to, and they were just like, I don't know. And it's, it's anxiety based, you know, more than it goal. It's something that's hanging over them. And I think that at least having this exploratory, explanative, you know, measure of cycles and, and looking at that and the years and things like that puts things into, again, context, which I love um, and meaningfulness. Um, I want to wrap everything up. We're running out of time, which is is loathsome because I have so many more questions to ask you. However, um, I, this is my favorite part of everyone who follows this um, particular series knows that this is my favorite question and she's never going away because I love it and it always changes and it, it leaves me um, and I think the audience on a really great um, note. But I'm wondering if you bumped into someone at a so safe social distance tomorrow in a park or a garden and they said, Kim, I'm so glad I found you. 
Um, I, we have a friend in common and I've, I've had this prolific career um, in dealing with business. It's, it's made me quite happy. I've learned a great deal about the business realms. I've been able to really explore. I launched um, another company with my partner. I felt great about that, but um, there was this slowly growing, audacious, you know, presence, and then education, and then passion, and now line of work, reaching into the spiritual realm. Um, and I'm really hoping you can give me some advice. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual, knowing what you know now? First advice I would say is if the spiritual world is calling you, answer the call immediately, right? So, so what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to look inward and see and see what resistance you have to that. Because I will tell you, Patricia, you know, going walking into a room and saying I'm a business strategist of a very successful seven-figure firm is wildly different than me going into a room and saying I'm a spiritual leader. Wildly different. You can see some people's, you know, eyes shutter, you know, you can, you can kind of see some people kind of turn away. Um, So, so you want to be resilient to that. You want to be so incredibly passionate about the yes that you want to, you know, you can kind of fake it till you make it a little bit. The universe will be kind to you for that, but you want to say yes. And you want to shout yes from the rooftops because the universe is not going away. If you've had that spiritual call, the universe is going to make it such that you will answer it. It's easier to answer it earlier rather than later. That would be my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice is, is as you're pursuing this, you want to give yourself just as much space to work on your own spiritual growth as you're allowing whatever it is you're going to be doing with your clients. Um, so that is critical. If, if I didn't allow myself to commune with the divine on a wildly regular basis, I would not be as powerful for my clients, you know, because they're growing. Right. And so, so for me to be able to hold them and all of their potential, their endless possibility in the infinite flow of life, it's no joke. Right. So, so making time for yourself to really pursue your own spiritual growth would be my second piece of advice. And then the third piece of advice is I'd say, don't ever forget the practical. Because there is something to be said for the email that you need to send and the scheduler that you need to have set up and that whatever platform you're going to be using. So what I find sometimes is when people are answering the spiritual call, they'll forget the fact that they're a business. And so making money, I always know what my numbers are. I always know, you know, with technology and my systems and all those things, because this is your delivery mechanism. And this is that abundance exchange that is happening that the universe wants to honor. So that is just as important as all the spiritual things that you're undertaking. Those are my three pieces of advice. I love those. Very unexpected as well. I mean, I don't know what I would have expected, but particularly the last one, I love the, you know, the other side of the pendulum there. So number one, I have, if the spiritual world is calling you, answer the call immediately and suss out any discrepancies you have towards that calling. Number two, give yourself the same space to work on yourself as you give your clients in order to retain the ability to help your clients. And number three, don't ever forget the practical. It's so great. It's so wonderful. I think it's so true, especially for someone in your, you know, in people endeavoring into your line of work. I think that those are awesome pieces of advice. Kim, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for meeting with me today. I know you are wildly busy um, putting out more work and everything that you're doing. And I really appreciate you stopping and giving us your, um, your story and your advice. Thank you so much, Patricia. I've loved being here.
Absolutely. And for everyone listening, we have been speaking with Kim Woods. She's an uh, MBA and a spiritual consultant. You can find out more on both of her websites, www.kecfreedom.com, as well as www.kimwoods.com. And until we speak again next time, thank you for giving me your time. And remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.